tonight I want to start, uh, well, I was going to say a short study, but I've literally no idea how many parts it's going to be or how many weeks, but I thought it would, would maybe do a book study, and we're going to look at the book of Colossians, Paul's epistle to the Colossians, and this is part one, a radiant report. So if you want to take any notes, please work away. If you have a Bible with you, please have that open in front of you. I'll have the scriptures on the screen anyway, in case you don't. So part one, a radiant report. And... Uh, I want to begin our study in our epistle to the Colossians by starting at the most logical point. Where do you think that is? The end. No, Jane, not the end. At the beginning. At the beginning. And here we read the author's introduction. In the first paragraph, which is for us, it's our verses one and two, we will find all sorts of important information. Who this letter was from, who the author was, and if we can know any information about him, we'll find out to who this letter was sent, why it was sent, and whereabouts in the world the recipients lived and worshipped. Can you all see that okay? Yeah. So this is um, Colossians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossa, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there has been some debate over the past century concerning the authorship of this particular epistle. It comes from the fact that many of the words, many of the Greek words used in this epistle that was written to the Colossians are not used anywhere else in Paul's letters. So many scholars and academics argue that it could possibly have been written by one of Paul's associates, writing under Paul's authority. This view does have some merit, but not enough to sway the majority. Because the first word we read in this letter to the believers in Asia is what? Oh my goodness. What's the first word? You sure like to speak? It's okay. Paul. Paul. And that settles it for most academics and it settles it for me. And his name is actually Paulos, okay? That's, that's the Greek word. We obviously in our Bibles, they're all given English versions, but his name is actually Paulos, and it's of Latin origin. The author of this letter, I believe, is none other than the apostle to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the world, Paul, formerly known as Saul. Paul and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And here Paul is giving us his credentials, so to speak. Slide three, Paul is an apostle. What's an apostle? It's the Greek word apostolos, and it, and it means literally a delegate, a messenger, or an emissary. It's officially, some, somebody put it like this, Paul was a commissioner of Christ, and I really like that. Paul is, in other words, a special, a unique type of ambassador. And he is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Look what else Paul tells us in the very first line of this wonderful letter. He's not just an apostle. He is an apostle, an ambassador, and an emissary by the will of God. He writes, I'm an apostle by the will of God. You see, no man decided this. No church council made Paul an apostle. God chose him. God specifically chose Paul. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the very will, the desire, and the act of God. 
I was reminded when I was reading this and studying this of what Paul wrote concerning the Lord's intervention in his life in his epistle to the Galatian church. This is Galatians 1. You know this so well. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred, conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Paul understood that all of this was the plan and the will of God, and he took no credit for it whatsoever. It was the Lord God Almighty who had separated Paul from his mother's womb and called him by his life-changing grace. Then Paul received that wonderful revelation. We all know the Sunday school story of Paul on the road to Damascus. God revealed his one and only son to Saul. Jesus appears to, to, to Saul, the man who was on his way to murder believers, to murder Christians, and in an instant, his life has changed. He was brought from darkness and into light, and was now to be called Paul, and he was called to preach the gospel to the nations. What a transformation and what a story. What a witness Paul is to the life-changing grace of God in Christ. If God could do it for Saul, well, he can do it for you. He can do it for any of us. If he can do it for a murderer, he can do it for anyone. Isn't that right? Paul goes on to write, and Timotheus, our brother, and this is how Paul brings his first line to an end. And he's telling the church at Colossae here, believers, I'm not alone here. I have a wonderful brother and a companion in the Lord right beside me, our brother. Paul's very careful to use the word our, our brother, not my brother, our brother Timothy. Timothy, Timotheus. What does Timothy mean? It literally means to honor God or to be dear to God. I think that's a beautiful name, isn't it, Timothy? Dear to God. And Timothy was a resident of Lystra, apparently whose father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew. And we know from the scriptures that he was Paul's traveling companion and fellow laborer in the work of the gospel. Timothy is what we might call today an evangelist. He was a preacher. And it's clear from the introduction that Timotheus is not an apostle in the sense that Paul was. He was not a, can we call it, a big A apostle. Yes, Timothy was an ambassador and a messenger, but he, he did not hold the office of apostle as, as his companion and mentor Paul did. But you see, Paul, Paul felt it right to include Timothy in the writing of this letter, as many in the church at Colossae would have known Timothy personally, having grown up in the same region where his church was planted. And Paul writes, our brother Timothy. Paul continues his introduction and greeting to the believers in Colossae. And he says this in verse two. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we discover who Paul was writing to 
and where they were residing and meeting together as the body of believers. I kind of give it away at the start when I said we were studying Coloss, the, the, the book of the Colossians, but there we go. Paul writes here, as everyone can see, with his pastoral heart of compassion and care, as he always does, and he writes to the saints, to the saints. Well, who are the saints? The saints are the hagios, sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or religious, ceremonially consecrated, holy, a most holy thing, a saint. You know, church, it still amazes me that those who have given their lives over to Jesus, which includes us who have been rescued and restored, we get to be called saints. You are a saint, and I am a saint. I see Jane nodding at Mark. <laughs> you are all saints, amen? We are now, along with the believers in Colossae, in Galatia, in Ephesus, and in Philippi, and wherever else these letters were written to, we are pure, we're blameless, we're ceremonially, ceremonial, I can't say that word, ceremonially consecrated, we have been washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you can't say amen to that, I don't know what you can say amen to. Amen. Before we repented and submitted our lives to him, not one of the believers in Colossae was any of these things, and neither were we. It's only through the cross and through his resurrection that we have been made righteous before a holy God. Amen. Our righteousness was as a filthy rag a dirty, stinky towel. But now, church, now we are in right standing before the glory of God, standing alongside the saints who gathered all that time ago in Colossa. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us in our sin and in our stinky state. You pulled us out of that Mary clay and you put our feet upon a rock, the rock Christ Jesus, the foundation stone. Amen. To the saints and who else? Paul writes to the faithful brethren. To the saints and the faithful brethren. Paul calls these brothers and sisters in Colossae faithful. We looked at this word last week actually in our study. The word pistos. Trustworthy, trustful, believing, faithful, sure and true. Trusty, worthy of trust, one that can be relied on, believing, confiding. In the New Testament, it specifically talks about one who trusts in God's promises, one who is convinced that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Is that you? One who has become convinced that Jesus is the Messiah and author of salvation. Is that you? But how does Paul know these things concerning the saints at Colossae? Well, we'll find out in a few moments. But we know that Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, serving the will of God, believes that these people, these Christians, these believers in Colossae, to be saints, to be faithful, to be trustworthy, to be believing, to be sure, and to be true. What a great bunch of people this sounds like. That's the kind of fellowship that I would want to be a part of. Isn't that right? We all want to be part of a church like that. I wonder, would Paul say the same about us? Would he write to the church of God here at Glenmacken as the faithful? Or would he use another word? Who knows? Only we can do something about that. 
Paul continues in his pastoral tone. He says, grace be unto you. What's Paul saying? He's saying that which brings joy, that which brings pleasure, that which brings delight, that which brings sweetness be unto you. Aren't they all good things to have? Joy, delight, pleasure, and sweetness. May God's goodwill, loving kindness, and favor be with all of you. You know that's what great, unmerited favor, that's grace, that's God's grace. Each faithful, each faithful brother and sister in Jesus Christ. But not only does he desire that grace be upon each believer in Colossae, but also peace, grace and peace. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word peace is irony, and it's from a verb that means to join together. And it's peace, literally or figuratively. By implication, it can mean prosperity. But in the truest sense, it's one, it's peace, it's quietness, it's rest, it's to set at one again. In the New Testament, many times it specifically means peace between individuals, harmony, concord. You all know what harmony is. Most Sundays you hear it in the praise team. Not every Sunday. Well, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. Paul is praying that this fellowship knows the grace, the goodwill, and the favor of God, alongside having the peace that passes all understanding in each one of their lives and in their fellowship. That the Colossian church would be a place of tranquility, quietness, harmony, a place of unity, and a place of peace. Do we not all desire that for here at Glenmachan? that this would be a place of peace, a place of unity, a place of harmony. I want the grace of God and the peace of God for every one of you. I want it for every member, and I want it every time we meet together in here to worship. Paul wanted it for the church at Colossae because he knew that they would need it. And both, both of these things, Paul's very clear about this, both of these things only come from where? From the Lord from God our Father and his precious Son, Jesus Christ. These things come from above. Heavenly grace and heavenly peace, much better than earthly things. The grace of God and the peace of God. And I know we all desire those things in our own lives and for the community here at Glenmachan. Let's pray with Paul for both. As it was in Colossae, may it be here at Glenmachan. A sanctuary of grace, wouldn't that be nice? And what about a palace of peace? Wouldn't that be lovely? I do want to get further on than the first two verses tonight, so I'll get my skates on. Verses three to eight will be where we will focus for the rest of this evening. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives the church, the fellowship at Colossae, his radiant report. That's what I've titled tonight, the radiant report. Read it with me. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye, have, we, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. 
which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth as ye also learned of Epaphras our dear, dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister of Christ who also declared unto you unto us sorry your love in the spirit and here in this portion we're introduced to a new character Epaphras Epaphras is an essential part of this letter and of all that is taking place at the church in Colossae. You see, Paul, even though he had preached in this, in this general region on his second missionary journey, he never got to meet the believers in Colossae face to face. He has never had a chance to see how they were growing in their faith and how they are faithfully serving in the town of Colossae. And this is why Epaphras is a key figure for this letter. It's believed that Epaphras grew up in this region and had heard Paul preach on his way through the region on his second missionary journey and had come to saving faith in Jesus. Paul, as we know from Acts 19, had preached in Ephesus, which was one of the nearest cities to Colossae. And it was here that Epaphras heard the good news about Jesus. And it was here that he was called to be an evangelist, the same calling as Timothy. And it's believed that Epaphras and not Paul or Timothy, planted the church here in the town of Colossae, in the region of Phrygia. Epaphras too, it is believed, along with Timothy, became one of Paul's young protégés, and he always looked up to Paul as an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Epaphras does what he feels is only right, and goes to visit Paul in Rome, and this, even le and this leads to this letter being written. And Epaphras goes to Paul with a report of how things are for the believers in Colossae. He wants Paul to know that the church is growing, that the church is thriving, and that the true faith is very much alive in Colossae. How do we know what was in Epaphras' report? Simple. All we have to do is read the radiant report that Paul sends back to the faithful saints in the town of Colossae. And that's what we just did. And what did Paul say? He said, believers, saints, and faithful ones in Colossae, we are giving thanks to God and our God and Father because of what we have heard concerning your fellowship. We are always praying for you. We are on our knees before the Lord, bringing you in prayer before him. We have heard about the love that you have for all the saints in the region and of your unwavering faith in Jesus, and we commend you for it. We hear of the hope that you have, which is laid up for you in heaven, a hope-filled future that each of you has in Jesus Christ. We are thankful and we praise God that you heard the word of the gospel, the good news, and that you accepted it by faith. And now you serve the one true God alongside the other believers in the world. We have heard from Epaphras, our dear brother, a dear minister in the word, that you are bearing fruit. You are a tree planted by living water, bringing fruit into that place where God has placed you. This is truly wonderful news. This is fantastic. We thank God that all these things are coming to pass in Colossa. You learned this good news from our brother Epaphras, and he is our co-worker in Christ. And now all of you are our co-workers in Christ. He is truly a faithful servant, a model for you all to follow. Paul continues to write to them, the world is being saturated and changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are so pleased to hear about what God is doing in your lives, in your town and in your community. Praise the Lord. Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, 
brought us this wonderful, radiant report of what is taking place through the believers in Colossae, and long may it continue. Paul and Timothy say, believers, we are holding you up in prayer night and day. Timothy is with me, and we are praying grace and peace on all the saints gathered there in Colossae. God is doing a great thing through you. And he finishes by saying, the love that you have in the Spirit the love that you have in the Spirit that's been given to you by the Holy Spirit, don't lose that, keep that alive. I love the way the New Living translates it, has it. Paul writes, he, that's Epaphras, has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. What a wonderful, inspirational, radiant report that Epaphras brought to Paul and Timothy. And what delightful words of encouragement that Paul sends back to the faithful saints in Colossae. Church, surely they were built up Surely they were encouraged by the words from the Apostle Paul. Surely they felt that God was with them and was doing a good thing in Colossae. And you know what? He was, and he was doing it through them. God was doing it through the believers. They were a simple people in a simple town, but they were given over to proclaiming the gospel in that place. Church, it was a fellowship that was bearing fruit. It was a church that was reaching out and changing lives. Was it perfect? No. Did it have problems? Yes. And as we walk through the letter together, you will see that they certainly had their issues, as all churches do. Not us, of course. Wink, wink. You can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> but it seems that they were starting out on the right foot because God considered them faithful. They had faith they had love, they had hope. And I was reminded of the words that Paul penned to the believers in Corinthians. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. We, like the Colossian believers, need to be a people of faith. We need to be a people of hope, because you know what? We have a hope, we have a great hope that one day he will return and we will be with him forever, amen? But most of all, we need to be a people of love. The greatest of these is love. And it needs to be love that comes by the Holy Spirit. It needs to be love that leads to that peace, that leads to that unity, that leads to that harmony, to that concord. It needs to be love that leads to community and true fellowship. Church, let's seek that love and let's live in the grace and peace of God and continue to be faithful saints and servants of the King. I hope you've been blessed by the word tonight. Thank you so much for your attention. Will you stand with me? I want to teach you a new hymn, okay? And uh, please sing along. And uh, if you've been blessed tonight by the word, come on Wednesday night to the prayer meeting.
We'll have a short sermon. We'll get to prayer. We'll pray for our church and all our organizations. Please come on the Wednesday night. We've been having a blessed time. Please come next Sunday morning. Be here, 11 a.m. Or come at 10 to pray. Hear from the word. Come and have communion with your brothers and sisters. And then come back next Sunday night and hear part two if you're interested or if you enjoyed it. All right? So keep standing, and uh, I'll jump on the piano.